Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. And on this show today, we have Dr. Alex Wills on the show. And he is a psychiatrist who's written an amazing book called Give a Fuck Actually. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say the F bomb on this show. That's the title of the book. So I can't avoid it. Okay. Um, but we're going to be uh, talking about how to uh, how to have radical emotional acceptance. I think so many of us spend a lot of time and energy avoiding negative emotions, doing anything to get that dopamine hit to not feel lonely or boredom or, um, you know, feel depressed or anxious or sad or whatever the negative emotion, the label is. And so I think we, we spend a lot of time and energy resisting, uh, these emotions rather than accepting them and looking at them as tools, looking at them as a, kind of window to improvement, you know, which they are. And these are all, these emotions are important. They're survival mechanisms. They've been built into us as a survival tool. And they, they have very important messages for us uh, to learn from. And so uh, we talk about, you know, uh, Dr. Will's five steps to radical emotional acceptance. And I, I talk about my own personal story of um, jealousy and how I kind of uh, overcame that in my own relationship. And, and, you know, and a really interesting story. And we also talk about, um, you know, what you resist persists, you know, these emotions aren't going anywhere. Uh, people have fear and they have different emotions and they, they serve a purpose. And they're, if they are, if you resist them, um, it really doesn't serve you. And so we talk about a lot of those concepts in more in today's show. And I know you guys listening are, you know, you're very focused on detoxification of all kinds and emotional detox is something that's very close to my heart. Cause you know, for me and like a lot of you guys listening, I've spent so many years focused on my physical health, you know, focused on eating the right diet, taking the right supplements and, you know, exercising and all that stuff. But I felt like I'd reached the pinnacle of my physical health, but still woke up uh, this is many years ago, just feeling just kind of meh. Like just not feeling good, not feeling joy, not feeling, you know, love and happiness that I really craved, really, truly craved. And so I'd been on a journey my whole life to, to figure out, you know, to be happy. That's what so many people want. They want to feel love, joy, and peace in their lives. That's the ultimate goal. And so uh, it's not just physical health, you know, or you're not here just because you want to detox, you know, you want to feel good. Um, so, uh, so I created a program called the emotional detox program. And, um, and I created a, a masterclass that you can take. It's totally free. And you can check that out at emo-detox.com. And uh, on this kind of, you know, over one hour masterclass, I talk about some fascinating statistics about how emotional trauma contributes to 65% of physical health issues. So if you're looking to feel better physically, you need to work on your emotional health as well and, and really get to the root cause of emotional trauma, which lies in parental childhood development attachment issues, the relationship you had with your parents or your primary caregivers, because that very dramatically impacts you and how you are, you know, interpreting the world, perceiving the world, interacting with your loved ones and what kind of job you pick um, can be very much uh, the result of 
your coping mechanisms to trauma in childhood. So just, we unpack a lot of interesting stuff um, in this, this hour masterclass. So definitely check it out. It's well worth your time at emo-detox.com. My guest today, Dr. Alex Wills, is a board-certified psychiatrist, and he is the owner of Perma Mental Health, a private psychiatric practice. And Alex's clinical days are spent using the radical emotional acceptance method to help his patients heal from issues ranging from past traumas to interpersonal struggles in their marriage. Alex's book, um, Give an F-Bomb, actually is based on that experience. You can learn more about Alex and his work at RadicalEmotionalAcceptance.com. Dr. Wills, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wrote your book, uh, Give a Fuck Actually. <laughs> I love <laughs> so the we, title, we by the way. We can say the F-bomb on your show, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I am a psychiatrist practicing here in Boise, Idaho. Uh, I did my training over in Hawaii for psychiatry residency and a year of child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship. And yeah, just in my private practice for about uh, eight and a half years, um, practicing a lot of psychotherapy with patients. Uh, we do medication management, um, but we have more of a holistic approach than the typical psychiatrist. Okay, great. Yeah, and so uh, in your book, you talk about you know radical self-acceptance. Um, can you explain that a little bit, that topic? Yeah, um, the subtitle of the book is the um, Reclaim Yourself with the Five Steps of Radical Emotional Acceptance. And uh, basically, it's uh, focusing on the idea that emotions are not the problem. And as long as we define emotions as a problem that we have to deal with or cope with or get through or do some uh, emotional work, that actually creates a big problem. So I'm trying to maybe reconceptualize the way that we think of emotions. Because people don't like their emotions. <laughs> like, you know, I think we spend a lot of time being very like resistant to our emotions, especially our negative emotions and spend a lot of energy and effort running away from negative emotions and getting that dopamine fix and just anything, but, but feeling bad and sitting in negative emotions and, and feeling them. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, what you resist persists. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And that's uh, commonly the way that we refer to, uh, you know, negative emotions or the, the icky emotions, the ones that we would rather not have. Um, I, I'm really careful to sort of redefine um, the definition that I like to use for um, the book, as well as for um, talk therapy, is an emotion is just sort of that pure uh, gut feeling you get in your body, in your chest, um, that's giving you some emotional data. And the emotion itself, um, although it may be painful, unpleasant, uh, very scary, um, or joyful, happy, it's not uh, necessarily um, a negative thing or a bad thing. But what happens is we attach a story to the emotion. And so I define the emotion plus a story to be a feeling. And so all of a sudden we have all of these um, toxic beliefs or we have uh, an emotion of uh, shame, for example, and we start to believe that, oh, this is a proof that I'm no good and I'm, I'm never going to be loved or whatever the, the toxic story might be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I recently had kind of an issue like that because I think, you know, when, um, you know, we have an emotion that we, we start we, we do, we start creating like a movie in our mind about what that means. And I think a lot of times people 
let's say in your current relationship, you're experiencing something with that person, but, and you're maybe having a negative emotion or a stress response to something they're doing, but it's actually about a, a, something that happened in a past relationship or a past trauma. And you're having this physical stress response to it. And your mind's telling you, oh, just shut up. There's like nothing to worry about. And you're, you have this intellectual conversation, but your body and your emotions are telling you something else. Um, can you talk a little about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I often find that when people get caught up in our heads about um, all these ruminating thoughts and we kind of just sort of can't stop getting over something, uh, that's usually evidence that we are not practicing um, acceptance of our emotions. So I'll really try to start simple with my patients and keep it really simple. I ask them to name their emotions, maybe the top six emotions that they have going on at the moment. They might have a little bit of joy, a little bit of fear, a little bit of hate, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of disappointment without um, involving sort of the, the story about it. And then we try to dissect out the story and see how the story is actually causing the problem. Um, a lot of the influence uh, is, of course, from cognitive behavioral therapy, but it really focuses more on um, validating those emotions. And the simple act of uh, validating the emotion can really be healing in itself. Um, yeah. If I were to hook us up to a functional MRI, um, simply naming whatever distressing emotion might be going on um, will show in real time how our amygdala might become calm just uh, the moment that we are actually naming and just accepting like, okay, I'm having a lot of emotional pain right now. Yeah. And people have so much resistance to that. Like they want to avoid it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it with their partner or with their loved one. It's just, it's easier to avoid avoid uncomfortable conversations and avoid our feelings and self-abandon essentially mm -hmm. by not just discussing our feelings. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how you really need to, you know, accept your emotions and not like resist them if you really want to live the, the life that you want and create the happiness you want? Sure. Um, if we, if we can see that emotions are, are not the problem in the first place, um, I like the analogy of surfing waves. So we may have some really big giant tsunami waves going on, or you may have some regular sized waves. Uh, the rule in surfing is you don't fight the wave, you, you go with the wave. So whether the emotion might be a painful emotion, um, or if the emotion happens to be, you know, really joyful, you can find a way to be at peace, um, surfing that wave and kind of going with it. Um, instead of trying to avoid it or fix it or work through it or drown in it, you can simply become curious about it and see um, the question I always ask is, how, how is this emotion trying to help me? And th it, it's there for a reason. It's, it's coming from us that we wouldn't be having the emotion unless it wasn't trying to serve a purpose. And so we're trying to be curious about, okay, what, what is my emotional truth trying to tell me about this relationship, about the situation? Yeah. And, and so what is, you know, radical emotional acceptance? Like, what does that look like? How do people get to that point? Right. Well, um, basically, uh, the five steps just briefly uh, to kind of go through to try to make it really simple and applicable to your life. Uh, the first step is to simply name the emotion. Uh, the second step is, oh, sorry, the first step is actually to realize that we might have an emotional shield, such as anger going on that might be shielding us from deeper, more vulnerable emotions. So we have to sort of recognize that shield. It might be a defense mechanism or another emotion or numbness. 
and then be curious about what emotions are underneath the shield. Uh, the second step is to name the emotion. The third step is to listen to the emotion, be curious about what it's trying to teach you. The fourth step is to act um, with your emotional wisdom, make a decision on what to do. Oftentimes we don't need to do anything. We um, just might decide that the best choice is to be patient or to wait. And the final step is uh, gratitude. If you can find pure gratitude and sincere gratitude for the emotion, it's impossible to be at war with yourself and at war with your emotions because you realize that they really are trying to help you. Yeah, I mean, I, the worst thing people can do is avoid what they're feeling, like avoid their emotions and not think about it, you know, um, articulate it, figure out what's going on and express that to their friend or the partner or their parent. And I think it's a form of self-abandonment and not, and not doing that. Cause you, you get your needs met, you know? And I, I think for me, a lot of times when I haven't wanted to express my emotions to someone or an issue, it was because I was afraid they were going to leave or they were, they weren't going to, you know, they wouldn't accommodate me or that it'd be too much trouble or something like that. Um, but the reality is if that's the case, that person needs to go out of your life. And they're not in alignment with you, you know, um, but what about our core beliefs? You know, how do our core beliefs impact um, our emotional health with these, these beliefs that we're, we're like, you know, we're kind of on automatic pilot. They're kind of, they're the software behind the scenes running the show that we may not even be aware of. Sure. And uh, a good segue into the core beliefs is um, we often will get caught up in, uh, well, I don't want to talk about my emotions because it's going to take forever or my, my partner might want me to do all of this stuff, or I, I, my partner might feel like they need to, to help me and fix me. Um, but that's oftentimes when we um, start talking about our feelings and talking about the story, because that way um, we, we feel like we need to solve the problem or fix something. But um, I try to coach my uh, patients into simply listing the emotions, which can literally take less than you know five or 10 seconds. And then your partner can be aware of what your emotions are. Um, and and that's really makes all the difference. Um, so when we get into core beliefs, um, I'm having an emotion of disappointment and we get into those classic core beliefs of I'm not lovable, I'm not valuable, I'm not worthy. And because I, I have this emotion of disappointment, there's sort of a proof that that might be true. And so then we get stuck in this sort of downward spiral where we have these toxic beliefs that remain unquestioned. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to fall. You know, I mean, I think most people deal with um, some some amount of self-hatred and worthlessness and powerlessness and, um, you know, survival fear and things like that, that really affect us on a deep, deep, deep level that we're not even aware of. And it can very much drive our behavior and addictions and relationship choices and job choices, right. you know? So it's really a lot of, there's a lot of layers of this onion <laughs> that you need to peel. <laughs> I, and I um, noticed, um, I noticed you use the term like a uh, self-hatred, right? Yeah. And so um, I, I notice all the time we use these terms and there's like a whole story attached to that term. It's, uh, you know, the, the emotion of hate might be a pure emotion, but we start to say, well, this is self-hatred. And all of a sudden there's a story that I am deserving to be hated. There's something about my, my essence that is worthy of hate instead of simply allowing ourselves to experience the emotion of hate, which happens when you stub your toe, for example. Yeah. And can you talk about how that, all those kind of 
those negative feelings it can our emotions can uh, be rooted in trauma and how like and how do you work with trauma in your practice sure and uh trauma is you know uh, there's a wide variety of you know sort of subcategories of different types of trauma um i i find um getting in touch with the emotions uh is essential in that work for for most of the psychotherapies that we do for example uh there there's a lot of fear with trauma and uh tapping into that emotion of fear and becoming curious what what is this uh fear good for why why do i have this intense fear and what how can i just get rid of it well you know we can't just get rid of our emotions that's creating a battle with ourselves so we start to become curious well how how is how is this fear you know supposed to be helping me how can i somehow have a better relationship with this part of myself and to see how um to see how it's maybe making me aware of a a threat or a potential threat or or a horrific memory from the past of something that happened yeah tell us how can we make fear our bitch (laughs) (laughs) and have it serve us instead of us serving them (laughs) us serving the fear yeah uh for me um i I struggled for a long time, sort of, um, I I had a personal quest to become kind of like Zen and like, you know, um, enlightened and sort of, you know, like rising above things, uh, as this pathway to peace. And did that start in Hawaii by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) That definitely some influence from there. Um, but I found myself, um, coming back to a truth that I still, I still have fear and anxiety pop up from time to time. And so uh, becoming curious about it and realizing, well, what if what if fear is not a problem? What what if it is trying to help me? So when I notice any anxiety or fear come up, um, I simply ask myself the question: How how is this trying to help me? What what threat is it making me aware of? And do I need to do anything? Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to take action? Or do I need to just you know practice trusting myself that I can you know. Uh, mediate that bridge when I get there, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, fear does serve a purpose. I mean, it was a survival mechanism at some point. It's helped you get through a difficult situation or difficult childhood. And it's, it's a survival mechanism built into us. So there's no escaping it. You know, you have to work with it. Um, and so what are some of the most challenging aspects of uh, radical emotional acceptance that you found? You know, I'll ask a, a patient, um, what their emotions are and they'll start to talk for several minutes about um all of these explanations and rationalizations intellectualizations and at the end of five minutes i'll i'll say you know i didn't hear one emotional word this this entire time and so kind of uh helping people to become aware of how we are um sort of at war trying to avoid or fix or um somehow not be in touch with the emotions thinking thinking that the emotions are a problem um and just it, it does take a bit of coaching i'd say to really help people have that truth become real in their lives and really apply for them and that's that's the challenge of psychotherapy is making it a reality for that person yeah yeah and so how do you work with people in in psychotherapy and in doing talk therapy how do you work with your patients well, I swallowed a psychotherapy pill in Hawaii and uh, became addicted to psychotherapy. Um, there, there's dozens of different modalities, um, and and I want to learn them all. You know, every, everyone has like different uh, pearls of wisdom, 
And so uh, I, I really like to adapt a, sort of a combination of different modalities for each patient, um, whatever my gut kind of tells me is going to work best for this person. Okay, great. Yeah. And so you use a phrase in the book, uh, in your book called uh, name the fuck uh, throughout mm -hmm. the book. Um, like, yeah. what does that mean? And how does it, uh, you know, relate to our emotional reality? Yeah. And, and for those of you who may not uh, know, the, the F-bomb is, uh, you know, sort of the the fun word for emotion or maybe a painful emotion. And so the second step of radical emotional acceptance is to, to name that emotion, name the F-bomb. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, simply, simply by naming it really um, can already start to diffuse things and bring people back to a sense of peace. Yeah. And so what are some helpful ways to like take down our shield emotions or defense mechanisms so that we can learn to listen to our, our fucks, our, our F-bombs? <laughs> right. I think the first part is to realize that um, it is a shield emotion or it is a defense mechanism and then ask ourselves the question, well, what, what am I defending against? Uh, what, what emotion am I trying to avoid? Uh, what fear or pain am I trying to, to not be in touch with? And then uh, to become curious. Um, one technique, for example, is uh, it's easier to see things in other people. So sometimes I'll ask patients to um, imagine that the situation was the same for their best friend. And, you know, what, what do you imagine your best friend's emotions are? And it might be easier for people to identify it because it's not about them. So they're less defended. Yeah. And it's a practice looking at your emotions. There's a lot of people, they just weren't brought up, you know, asking, how do you feel? Or they weren't validated emotionally or rewarded for their emotions, positive or negative. I think there's a lot of people with emotional neglect out there that are really just kind of numb you know, and they're really just trying to feel anything and, you know, pursuing pleasure, addictions, uh, whatever the, the addiction may be, they're just trying to feel something. Um, so it can be really, uh, because I think of our, uh, kind of epidemic of emotional neglect, there's a lot of people very dissociated from their emotions and they need practice in, in identifying them. Right. And, uh, that's a good example of a shield emotion, which is, you know, just just the other day, I was speaking with uh, someone, and I asked what their emotional state was, and their reply was, "I'm just numb. Like I don't I don't feel anything." And so, you know, there there are emotions underneath that, um, but for whatever reason, they are unable or possibly unwilling or um, unconsciously unwilling to to try to you know get in touch with what those might be and you know, for, for levels of severe trauma, it, it's uh, very challenging sometimes, and it, it might be a slow process to get there. Yeah. And especially there's a lot of people that are like those therapy junkies, like people that love to go to therapy and they've gone to all these different therapists. And that was certainly me. And I think a lot of times people think that they've dealt with stuff in the past and they think they're, they've gotten over it and then it still continues to haunt them. And so it can be hard to unpack the, the trauma that people have and how it's affecting them today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I love the specialty because every every single person is a unique sort of uh, mystery novel to sort of figure out. There's there's no two cases that are identical, um, so it always keeps you on your toes, keeps you engaged. And so, what is the top piece of advice that you have for people that are struggling emotionally? I'd say realize that maybe the emotions. In fact, I don't believe the emotions are a problem. And so let's let's rethink this. 
Okay. Is there anything else? Like, there's anything else we haven't like talked about that you uh, want to elaborate on? It's yeah, such a such a wide topic. Um, I was I was inspired to um, uh, write the book because um, uh, most of us have heard of this book called "The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F." And uh, the first time I read it, I thought it was you know interesting, kind of a, a fun, interesting take on things, and uh, a lot of the advice in there was uh, somewhat helpful, but something about it kept nagging at me and kind of rubbing me wrong. And I, I got to thinking about it more. And I started to, when I reread it, I, I saw all of these sort of uh, new advanced tips uh, and tricks for emotional suppression and how we can, you know, control our own emotions and whatnot. And, and it, it really wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for me in my personal life. It really wasn't jiving with the different types of uh, psychotherapy that was helping my patients. And so that that helped to inspire to say like, hey, um, I have something to say about this that can maybe help people a bit more. We don't have to go through this this art of emotional suppression and um, and, and create a battle when when there's really no battle to be fought with ourselves. Yeah, I want to give a fuck actually, like I do. <laughs> you know, I want to. You know, I spent a lot of time in my life running away from negative emotions and suppressing them. And I want to feel, I want to feel my emotions good and bad and sit in them and process them. And with the end goal of being happier, happier and healthier and having more fulfilling friendships and relationships and business partnerships as well. Yeah. um, I'm, I'm curious, do you have any sort of um, maybe small thing or something that was, um, causing you any emotional issues that you wouldn't mind sharing um, in the recent days by chance? Yeah, actually there, there has been some things that it's a little bit embarrassing, but I, my boyfriend, we have, we've had a few conversations about him looking at other women, you know, or Instagram. And I think it's a, that's a big conversation. A lot of people are having with, with Instagram and liking other people's posts and maybe potentially talking to people and they could term it like micro cheating almost like having conversations with other people online. It's a big issue for a lot of couples. And so for me, I, I was like, why? So once your guy looks at another woman or is doing that a lot, like, why, like, why does that really bother me? You know, like I really, like it really took me a long time to unpack it. I mean, yes, it doesn't feel good and it can be a potential, potential threat to your relationship, but most guys that are looking, they're looking around, you know, women too. Um, but it's like, well, why, why am I having a, not always, but why am I having a stress response to that? Mm-hmm. Why am I starting to feel angry about it? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is really going on? And I was listening to a podcast with Mark Groves, who's an, who I think is an amazing relationship coach. And I realized it was uh, my first husband uh, looked at women a lot. And but he also, I was not his physical type. Like I'm just, I'm a big bitch. I'm like a tall blonde and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not like this, uh, you know, petite person, you know, and that's his, that was his physical type. So I always felt like I wasn't enough. I always felt like I couldn't be thin enough. And I, I starved myself and took diet pills and I just killed myself to like be this person's physical type. And it was just never enough, no matter what I did. And so that, and then that person eventually left me and I felt abandoned. It was very, very traumatic at that. I don't know why I was so into this person, but I just was, I look back, I'm like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Uh, but, uh, but it, there, it created a trauma in me. And I thought I had processed that and then all this therapy and whatever. Um, but then I realized that this, um, 
that my current boyfriend, that that him looking at other women created this fear of abandonment in me mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with him. Cause mm-hmm. I know I'm his, that person's type, like hundred percent. Right. And, and I made sure at any future relationships I'd be with someone, I'm their, their types so that I don't have that. Uh, I don't have to worry about that, you know, sure. men like what they like. And so uh, for me, that that's what the root cause of that was. And it, it was just, uh, for me, it took a lot of unpacking to like figure that out. Cause I, I just, I couldn't even figure out myself months of thinking about it. <laughs> so I heard, uh, I heard a couple emotions in there. Um, you mentioned anger and then you, you also mentioned some fear, um, without explaining why can you name any other, um, emotions when you, when you think about this Instagram situation for you? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really more like in person, you know, when, you know, but I, it definitely feel, uh, brings up, um, you know, like sadness, the thought of your partner wanting to be with somebody else or mm-hmm. fear that you're not enough, you know, yeah. um, uh, fear that, that person doesn't really love you. Like they say they do, mm-hmm. or maybe they don't want to be in a relationship. They want to be out there playing the field and experimenting or, so there's a, you know, there's a lot of things that can come up for people. I think women and men too, but I think women deal with this a lot. They have these kind of, uh, these feelings a lot. I, I imagine, um, if I put myself in that situation, I might, I might be having some fear and, you know, possibly some, some jealousy, um, my, yeah. my emotional radar might be picking up some, you know, um, like you said, sadness, disappointment, that, and obviously frustration, you know, anger. So, yeah. um, the the other category of emotions that at least I like to think of them as emotions are desires. And so on the flip side of every uh, negative emotion or painful emotion is a desire. So when you think of the emotion of uh, jealousy, um, what's the, what's the flip side? What's your, what's your desire or your emotional need that you want to have met? Yeah. I mean, I feel, I felt like I, like, I don't want to feel jealousy. Like I just I just wish I was like a Brazilian or something. I was just totally free with, uh, you know, <laughs> with uh, my, who cares, you know, and just uh, enjoy life and look around and, you know, like I want to be that person, but I, I, I am my trauma. I am my, you know, I am my past and I can't erase that, you know? Sure. Um, so what I think I just, what the desire is I want freedom or I want to, I want to feel free um, maybe from, from that emotion. And I want to, um, I want to feel trust. Um, my desire is to trust my partner. Right. Um, and uh, very much so. And so then, yeah. Would you say you want, so you, you said trust, um, would you say, uh, you want, uh, intimacy and that sort of, uh, connection and so on? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, so in this way, you know, um, I I see jealousy or this fear as a a very helpful emotion, right? Because if you, if you didn't have that, um, you, you know, might be oblivious and then he might end up, you know, not knowing that you really do want this um, uh, commitment, this trust, this intimacy, this exclusivity with him. And then he might actually wander off or whatever. And so the, the emotions making you aware of your desire to have that fidelity and so um it's i always like to imagine well what if i didn't have this painful emotion what would i be like and it's like well things would probably go in a very bad direction you know (laughs) i I have a lot of polyamorous friends and life is great until it's not you know and um 
and some of them don't really have those those jealousy radars but uh sometimes it comes back to bite you know so. yeah i mean i think it feels good when your partner is jealous like not too much but a little bit and lets yeah. you know that they jealousy is not love but it lets you know they're they're wanting to be protective of the relationship and i think it's also a an innate survival mechanism to feel protective of your relationship. Because back in the caveman times, if you're a woman and you're pregnant with a young baby and your man is wants to be with somebody else, you could die. You could have die of starvation. So for us, it's a it's an innate survival mechanism, I think, also to want to preserve that union and be hyper aware. A lot of women, they, they, they spot all the threats in their environment before the guy even sees them, you know, cause it's yeah. like, it's just yeah. innate. It's built into us, you know? And I just, uh, so it's just been an interesting journey trying to, to unpack all that stuff. And, but yeah, I, I think jealousy is, uh, you know, a little bit's good too much is, you know, <laughs> overbearing and controlling, but I think a little bit of, is nice and serves a purpose. Well, you seem to be, you know, very in tune with your emotions and your your emotional wisdom, your emotional intelligence is helping you to make a lot of sense of the situation and your relationship. And and you've learned a lot from kind of, you know, tuning into those, um, you know, based on what you're what you're saying. And so I think that's great. Yeah. And I think in that like initial, you know, other relations I've been in, I haven't brought it up at all or discussed it because I felt like shame in it or weakness or the person like didn't want to deal with that. And I very much self-abandoned and I'd, I'd become very angry um, all of a sudden. And people be like, what's your problem? And that's makes it so much worse. But now I'm choosing to not self-abandon to bring up issues and discuss them calmly and invite this person to support me in my my emotions and in my past trauma and invite them to support me rather than being at odds um about it which is can you can very easily fall into that you know where i'm angry and then the person's resentful and then you're, you ruins your whole night rather than saying hey can i just have some support i'm feeling really vulnerable right now and that's a very different conversation uh, one of my favorite types of uh, therapy is um, you, you've probably heard of emotionally focused therapy for couples or EFT. And um, sort of the the Jedi trick with EFT is um, whenever you find yourself at odds with your partner, uh, go super vulnerable um, and let your partner know what your vulnerable um, emotions are and allow your partner to share theirs with you. And that helps to you know bring us back to that emotional intimacy instead of fighting and you know arguing and digging in and becoming defensive so uh, I, I recommend that for uh, you know to everybody and their dog because it gets uh, such great results uh, statistically for yeah EFT yeah and vulnerability is sexy like it's sexy when someone is talking about their emotions or their ways that they were hurt in their past or it really it draws you to that person I think but people for themselves they they feel ashamed about talking about their past or, or their feelings, you know, cause they're, they're very much afraid of being abandoned, you know, right. or that person not caring about their feelings or something, but you have nothing to fear because if that person goes away, F them, you know, <laughs> they let them like take that long walk off that short pier, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is, you know, very attractive because you, um, we're, we're most similar, uh, where we're deepest and, uh, making, making someone you trust, um, aware of your emotional state that that draws them in. Like you're, you're tapping like directly into their neurology, those mirroring emotions. And they, 
you know, for people that are able to empathize, they can really empathize and maybe have a, a deep sense of what it might be like to be you. And and what what greater experience than to be able to connect on such a special level? Yeah, absolutely. And so why don't you tell people where they can get your book, where can they, where they, can they find your website, work with you and learn more about you? Yeah, uh, it's available um, on Amazon and wherever English books are sold in the world. Um, it's going to be it's available for pre-sale, but it's going live um, in mid-January 2023. You can go to radicalemotionalacceptance.com, uh, which is one of the websites, or just uh, type uh, Alex Wills MD into Amazon, and it should pop up for uh, give a give a F actually. <laughs> okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, Dr. Wills, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was awesome, and uh, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers, and uh, just a pleasure every week to bring you experts from around the world to help you, you know, not only up-level your health, but your emotional health as well, which has a tremendous impact on your physical health. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.